You know, we live in a country, we live in a country that has high ideals. Uh, our Constitution, the United States Constitution, is the oldest document ruling a nation in the history of the world. Our, our independence that was fought for and was established in July of 1776, that document that was written and signed by those original signers that's with us to this day is the oldest document ruling a nation in the history of the world, in the whole world. And the ideals around life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is the great American dream. As a matter of fact, in our culture today, there are people that you identify with because they have achieved or they have attained what many in our culture would say would be the American dream. I want to show you just a couple of pictures here. These are famous faces. These are faces that have instant recognition, not just here in America, but literally around the world. Isn't that true? All right. You know this first guy here? What's his name? Kentucky Fried Chicken? No. <laughs> Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders has an amazing story. Now, you can just Google each one of these people and find out what their story is, but he has an amazing story. He has a rags to riches, literally an American dream story. But one thing you might not know about Colonel Sanders is that he was a born-again Christian. He got saved, became a born-again Christian later in life, and he gave over 50% of his income to a local church for the expansion of the gospel around the world. Come on, let's give it up for God. How about this young lady right here? You know who she is? What's her name? Oprah, right? All over the world, this woman is known. She has an amazing story. Uh, she grew up a very abusive, painful past, grew up in poverty. She found herself, she is one of the most influential people in the world today. When Oprah talks, people listen. How about this guy right here? Our President Bill Clinton. You know who he is. Right? Everyone in the world, they know who this man is. He has an amazing story coming out of adversity and rising to the top of what's considered to be the American dream. But here's the deal. It's the American dream. And there's a constitution that was written, and for as good as it is, and we are grateful that we are guided by the principles that our founding fathers laid out, but it's not a perfect union. We've had faults and failures and foibles along the way and much of our political battles and struggles and fights that we are experiencing in our culture today are a result of sinful people. But the fact is today there's still a high ideal. There's still a hope that resonates in the hearts and lives of people today. When we look at our story in the book of Genesis, we're in our series, part number four, entitled, It's Not What It Seems Like. And over the last several weeks, we've looked at this guy by the name of Joseph. And he's really had a pretty amazing life. As a matter of fact, what we're going to see today in chapter 41, we're going to see how this rags to riches story really is laid out right here 4,000 years ago for all of human history. The overarching theme just about in every single movie or book that's ever written is that there's a person who overcomes great adversity and they fight and they struggle and they achieve and they arise to the top and they, there's something about them that separates them and they, they end up with having some kind of amazing experience. And in the life of Joseph today, we're going to journey with Joseph as he travels through the ups and downs and finds himself in a place, a place that he never could have imagined. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 41. I'm actually going to, I'm going to start with the last verse of chapter 40. And as I like to do here at City Church, I like to have a stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. In Genesis chapter 41, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 and then verse number 14. 
Genesis chapter 40, beginning with verse number 23. And the Bible says, the chief cupbearer. Now, remember, if you remember from last week's story, this is really important. The chief cupbearer was the one guy. There were two dreams that were given. The one guy had a dream. He was the baker. And, and his dream did come to pass. It did turn out very well for him. But this cupbearer, or also known as a butler, we might call him a butler today, he had a dream, and things turned out pretty well for him. He ended up back in Pharaoh's court, and the Bible says that when he ended up back in Pharaoh's house where he had come from, after he left prison, he forgot about Joseph. Now begin with verse number 41, of, uh, verse number one, uh, chapter 41. Then the Bible says, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. So two more years, two more years, Joseph is in prison. From the age of 17 to 30, Joseph would have a lot of up and downs experiences in his life. More downs than he had up. After two years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile, which is the great river. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. And after them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt and nasty ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Verse number five. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. Then the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up, for it had been a dream. And in the, mind, in the morning, his mind was so troubled, for he had sent, all, he had sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt, Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Now, one more verse, verse number 14. And the Bible says, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly. Everyone say suddenly. suddenly. Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was suddenly brought from the dungeon. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came and stood before Pharaoh. In these next few moments, I want to talk to you on this idea, the reward of right living, the reward of right living. This morning, I'm going to pray for our nation. We're also, I really felt impressed this morning. We had earthquakes take place this week in California. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in California and pray for protection over them and for God's purposes and plans to be done in their life. And then we're going to pray for our campers for tomorrow. Father, thank you today. The amazing opportunity that we have to worship you. We are so thankful for the freedom that this nation affords us to gather, the freedom of assembly, the freedom of speech. These are, these are great, great freedoms, and we don't take them for granted today. We thank you that in this room, in this house, Lord, we can speak the truth, and we can speak the word of love, and to speak the word of hope to this generation. God, so we pray for those, our brothers and sisters and friends and family who are in California today. We pray for protection over them. We know that there is a, a fear, Lord, of a great earthquake that's going to come. And God, I just pray that you'll calm fears and you'll bring peace and you'll give the church there the opportunity to rise up and be a prophetic voice to this generation. God, I thank you right now for the work that you're going to do through the churches in this season and time in that state and all throughout our country. I pray for our campers for tomorrow, Lord, and I pray that they'll have experiences with you and also with friends, develop lifelong friendships. And God, I pray for a powerful visitation in our life that will leave them changed. We're so grateful today, Lord, for the youth of this church and the work that you are doing. God, I pray now for every person in this room. I pray that you'll give them a spiritual ear to hear and you will give me a mouth to speak. 
I ask this in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our first week of the series, we talked about Joseph's father. His name was Jacob. The name Jacob means deceiver. God changed his name to Israel. You see, what we discovered in the life of Jacob, the father of Joseph and 11 other sons, is that God allowed Jacob to have a mid-course correction. God allowed Jacob to have a mid-course correction. In other words, halfway through his life, or maybe a little later, God changed him. Something changed in his life. And he would become the father to 12 sons. One of his sons was named Joseph. In chapter 37, Joseph is introduced to our story. And the Bible says that he was Joseph's favorite son because he was the son of his favorite wife. Everyone say, that's a problem. He had more than one wife. That's a problem. But Joseph was his favorite son, and he gave him a special robe. The robe was beautiful. It signified his father's love, his father's favor. And the fact is that because of that robe, it separated him from his brothers, and his brothers didn't like him. They hated him. Last week, we discovered that hatred grew so strong that they threw him into a pit. And, and from that pit, then he was ultimately sold into slavery. But on the journey of slavery, we discovered that God was doing a setup. There was a setup in Joseph's life. There, that setup was for the next step that God had. And hear me today, that no matter where you are in your journey of faith today, God has a setup for you. And God was setting Joseph up. He just didn't know it. He didn't maybe understand it. Last week, we find him in Potiphar's house. Once again, he gets another robe. You see, the first robe had been stripped off, had been taken from him, and he sold into slavery, and now he's given into Potiphar's home. And there in Potiphar's home, because God was with him, God was with him, he rises to the top again. God's favor is on Joseph's life. Everywhere he goes, people recognize that there's something different about him. And so Potiphar gives him a robe, gives him a coat, and he puts that coat on, and now he's distinguished from among the other people. But there's a woman that has an eye. It's Potiphar's wife. She has an eye for Joseph. And Joseph has to resist the temptation of this woman coming on to him sexually, trying to tempt him to sleep with her. And the Bible says that he literally runs from her in the midst of that temptation, and she grabs that, that robe, and that robe is stripped again. Two times Joseph receives robes. Two times Joseph has the robe stripped from his life. That time the robe is stripped, he finds himself in prison, sold to a prison. And there in prison, he, he meets two people. He, he meets a baker and a butler. Each of these men have dreams. Each of these men have dreams. And Joseph, because the gift of God is in him and the favor of God is in him, and he recognizes that his life is different and that coat could never literally be taken from him, he recognizes that he has an opportunity to serve, and he serves these two men by telling them their dreams. The baker is killed, exactly like Joseph said. His dream comes to pass. That's a bummer for him. That's a bad dream to have. Everyone said Amen. But the butler has a dream, and his dream comes to pass, and he finds himself in Pharaoh's household. But he forgets about him. He forgets about Joseph. Here we come again to our story. What you must understand in chapter 41 is that the eyes of the Lord go everywhere. The proverb says that the eyes of the Lord are on every person watching good and evil. See, God has not forgotten Joseph. 
as we dig into Joseph's story, as we look at Joseph's story, what I realize in life that many times we find ourselves in very difficult seasons. A.W. Tozer, one of, the, one of the great Christian thinkers and writers of the last 120 years, said this one time. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man or woman greatly until he has hurt him deeply. We don't like to have pain. We, we want a life of blessing. We want a life of favor. We want a life of ease, of prosperity. But the fact is, if we are going to be used by God, there are going to be things in our life that just don't make sense, that are difficult to understand. Everyone in this room must learn to teach their tongue to say, I don't know. And Joseph was in that place in his life. It was a season of testing, but it's not what it looks like. It was a season of testing in Joseph's life because it was not what it looks like. For God never forgets his kids. God never forgets his own. God never forgets you. And so God has a setup for Joseph again. There's a Pharaoh, and he has a dream. Here's the thing with his dream. His dream was very problematic. Let's look at this dream in a little more detail. In verse number one, the Bible says that Pharaoh had a dream, and standing by the Nile, and then he goes on, and the writer, begins, the writer Moses begins to describe this dream. And at the end of verse number eight, the Bible says, and in the morning, his mind was troubled. Now, two of the favorite foods in Egypt, even to this day, are falafel and shawarma. And let me tell you, this dream was not a result of him eating too much falafel and shawarma. It was not too much pizza that he ate the night before. That's not how it worked. Something bothered him. He knew that there was something about this dream because you must hear this today. God has the ability to speak to any person at any time on planet Earth, whatever and whenever he wants to speak to them. We limit God to the small little box and the way that he speaks and moves, and God will not be put in your box today. You see, God is always working behind the scenes. He has a greater overarching purpose and goal and mission. There is an overall plan of redemption for mankind, and God is working in the heart of Pharaoh in this time of human history because it is his story. It's God's story. God speaks to Pharaoh through a dream. The language of the Holy Spirit today, according to Peter in the book of Acts, the language of the Holy Spirit is visions and dreams. God still speaks. But hear me today. When God speaks, he doesn't contradict this, his ultimate revelation, the B-I-B-L-E, for that's the book for me. Peter says there is a more sure word of prophecy. God used men of old to speak the reality of who God is, and he's given us that revelation. But God does speak through dreams. This dream was very troubling. Job chapter 33, I, I love this passage. It says, for God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. All over our world today, God is still speaking, but people don't recognize it. He speaks in dreams and visions of the night. God is speaking today to a people. God is speaking to you today. Pharaoh has a dream, and it gets his attention. It wakes him up. Fat cows and skinny cows and fat skinny cows overtaking, overeating uh, 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 the fat cows and fat heads of grain and skinny heads of grain. The Bible says in verse number 8, it says this dream troubled him. And so he sent for all the magicians and wise men. He was looking for a worldly solution. He was looking for a worldly solution. The, the, the magicians, these weren't guys in Pharaoh's day who just pulled a little rabbit out of a hat. They weren't just illusionists. These people practiced black magic. 
There were ten gods that the Egyptians worshipped, the most powerful being the, the sun god, Ra. But there were ten gods that they would worship, and these men were skilled at the teachings, the false teachings, the, the twisted teachings and thinking uh, of the human way of this world. Paul the apostle dresses the world thoughts and the world's ways. Because if we are not careful today, hear me, there are a lot of messages there are a lot of voices. There are a lot of people trying to speak to you to believe a certain way, to think a certain way about who God is and about what your truth is. And if your truth is the only thing that matters. Let me tell you today, it isn't your truth that matters today. It's his truth that matters today. God is a truth. God has a word for you and I. Paul the Apostle told the church at Colossians 2,000 years ago. Remember this. This is New Covenant now. New Testament. Don't let anyone capture you. Don't let the New York Times, the CNN, the fake news, the Fox News, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. You see, what you look at is the fruit. And if the fruit doesn't produce life and blessing and abundance and favor and love of God, love of his church, and love for people who are lost, let me tell you, it's a wrong philosophy. It's a wrong ideology. It's a high-sounding argument that divides people. But God's called us to be one people with one voice gathered around one symbol, not a constitution, but the cross of Jesus Christ. Come on. We are gathered today, red, yellow, black, and white. We are one people united. Come on. We are united not by a, a man's blood, but by the man, the man who is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Someone say amen today. Amen. That was good. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And these magicians that come to him, they can't answer it. It seems like a fairly simple dream to me. And the Bible says in verse number nine, then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. You know, if you really think about this guy, this cupbearer's life, he's really like a lot of people. He's an opportunist, right? I mean, he remembered that Joseph was back there, but he forgot where he came from. Let me tell you today, don't ever forget where you came from. Come on, I remember that Sunday school teacher that taught me about tithing. Come on, I look back over my life, and I remember that piano teacher that used to make me sit there and play the piano with my hands up like this, with the ruler in her hand, and when my hands would want to drop, she would snap me on the knuckles. I remember the people who got me where I am today. Listen, no one got to where they were by themselves. Everyone had someone that is speaking into their life that has helped them become the person that they are today, and this guy forgot all about it. But suddenly, when it was for his opportunity, for his benefit, he remembers, hey, Hey, Pharaoh needs a guy, and I know a guy. Come on, I know a guy today. I know a man. Oh, this young man, he's a Hebrew boy. He's a Hebrew. Look at verse number 12. He's a servant of the captain guard, and we told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, and each man giving the interpretation of his dream, and things turned out exactly like he said. It was a bummer for the baker, but boy, it was a blessing for me. See, this baker, he, this butler, he forgot. He forgot, but God didn't forget. God didn't forget. See, Joseph, for 13 years now, was in a season of preparation. He was in a season of preparation. God always has you in seasons of preparation. You're just in different seasons. 
You're in different times in your life because God has a different assignment at different times and different seasons of your life. Oh, you might have an overarching mission. You might have an overarching uh, purpose or plan that God has for you. But let me tell you, you're in a season right now that God is doing something behind the scenes that you can't see. So God is at work. God is working in Joseph's life. But here's what I've noticed about Joseph. Everywhere that Joseph went, he found favor. Do you know why he found favor? Because everywhere that Joseph was, he used his gift to serve others. Everywhere that Joseph was, he used his gift to serve other people. You want to know how you position yourself today? You know how you find yourself in a different place than you are right now? You begin to use the thing that God's placed inside of you to make a difference in the lives of others. You see, God always has spiritual solutions to worldly problems. Did you hear that today? Uh, you got to write this down. There's always a spiritual solution to a worldly problem, and we all have them. There are lots of things in your life that are problematic, and lots of issues that we will face. Could be a relationship issue. Could be, listen, if you're getting your relationship information from Cosmo, you got a problem. You're listening to the wrong voices. See, there's a way of the world, but there's the way of God. And Joseph, Joseph, God would use to speak to this man, Pharaoh. In verse number 14, I want you to see the verse. The Bible says, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was suddenly, everyone say suddenly. He was suddenly brought from the dungeon, and when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before the Pharaoh. Joseph got a suddenly. Did you see that? Joseph got a suddenly. Joseph had been in the prison. Everyone had forgotten him. His brothers didn't even know that he was still alive. His father thought for sure that he was dead. The butler who was now sitting at the king's table again forgot all about him. But God had a suddenly. God had a suddenly. Second Chronicles chapter 29, I love what the scripture says about suddenlies in our life. Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what God had prepared for the people because the thing came about suddenly. Everyone say suddenly. You see, when God is at work in your life and you are using the gift that God has given you, you are putting yourself in a position and a place for God to bring about a suddenly And he's the God of suddenlies today. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit came and we stepped in to a new covenant. That was the greatest suddenly that ever happened. But let me tell you, there's even a greater suddenly than that. One day, the trumpet is going to sound. And the archangel from heaven is going to make the noise. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to mount up on his white horse. And the Bible said he's going to split the eastern sky. And he's riding on a white horse with all the saints of old. And there's going to be a shout in the heavens. And every eye will see him. Every knee will bow before him. King of kings and Lord of lords. There is a suddenly coming today. God is the God of suddenlies. God suddenly turned his life. I see two reasons why God did this. First of all, inside of Joseph, he was a problem solver. Everyone say problem solver. Problem solvers never lack opportunity. 
Never. If you develop the skill and the gift that God has placed inside of you to be the very best that be, very best you that you can be, you'll never lack. Hear me today, you'll never lack. Problem, solve, problem solvers, solvers always have jobs. Always. It's the way that God works. It's the way God works in your life. It's the way that God works in my life. It's why we believe in education at City Church. It's why we believe in educating the children. It's why we're, we're building a world-class school. Children that understand God's ways and the world's ways and the book smart ways. Because if you can equip yourself to be a better problem solver, guess what? You'll be able to make a bigger difference in people's lives. Joseph had the ability to be used by God. He had a gift inside of him. People recognized that gift. He was different today. The first reason is that Joseph was a problem solver. The second reason is that Joseph was faithful to his God. Hear me today. Joseph was faithful to his God. Look what he says in verse number 15. Pharaoh recognizes something different about this guy, calls him up. Now notice, when he stands before the king, he doesn't have his pants halfway down around his rear. He ain't coming in there, hey, dude, what's up, homie? No, man. He gets himself cleaned up. He puts on his best shirt, his best pair of clothes. He, he, clean, he shaves his beard. Come on, gets himself with a nice hairdo. Goes down to the barbershop, makes sure he looks just right. Gets his shoes polished real nice. Puts those Ethan Allens on, the, 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 those Edmund Allens. He's been saving in the closet for a long time. Puts on that polo shirt. Yeah, come on. He goes before the king. And the king says, I hear you can fix my problem. He goes, you know, king, I can't, but I know one who can. Yes. See, what he did was he was always faithful to his God. He was always quick to give God all the glory. Yeah, he knew that God was going to work in him. Listen, you know what he did? He learned how to accept other people's appreciation of him in a proper way. Oh, yeah, I recognize you. Thank you. Thank, thank you that you, you acknowledge me. But let me tell you, I'm not smart enough. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You must come to the place in your life. You ain't smart enough. You ain't strong enough. Because there is a God in, who, in heaven, the Bible says, who gives you the power to create or make wealth. It is God that gives you breath. It is God who gives you life. It is God who speaks into your very ears and tells you I've called you by name. He gave all the glory. He said, I can't, but God can, and God will. Talk about faith. Talk about faith. God will. The God that I serve, not the ten gods of the Egyptians, but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that spoke and the worlds that came into existence, that God, he will. So Joseph was in right relationship with his father, and this is the confidence that we have in him, Jesus said. If we have confidence in our God, we have assurance in our God, we know that all things are going to work out. Paul the Apostle said, all things will work together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. It's why bitterness doesn't stick to you. It's why failure doesn't stick to you. It's why lack doesn't stick to you. It's why unbelief doesn't stick to you. Because you know that there is a God working the night season of your life and he's positioning you. He's putting you in a place for a setup because God always has a spiritual solution for the worldly problems of your life. Someone said amen. And so Pharaoh tells him the dream, fat cows, skinny cows. Verse 25, wow, that seems pretty simple to me, Pharaoh. This is what's going to happen. 
Joseph says to Pharaoh, dreams are one, one and the same. Because when God speaks, God never speaks mono. People tell me God said. Listen, you come to me and you ask, just generally what I find as a pastor, generally people don't ask me for counsel. They usually tell me what they're going to do because God told them. And so if, I call it the G card. When you pull the G card out of your pocket and said, God told you, we don't have a conversation. You're not asking for my opinion. You're just going to do what you, and bless your heart, go ahead. But then don't come to me then. Oh, come on now. <laughs> we're, st- we're meddling. It'll come to pass that God, that God, he's the one. God revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. This is what's going to happen. Pharaoh, this is what's going to happen. Hear me today. The Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen. Here's what God said to you today. In this life, these are from the words of Jesus. In this life, you will have trouble. That's a promise. But here's the second half of that promise. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Come on, it's the promise of God. You can take it to the bank. Okay, here, Pharaoh, here's the deal. Drinks from God just seem to make sense. Seven years of abundance, seven years of blessing, then seven years of famine. He's given some real practical wisdom here. Hear me today, it makes sense. In your time of prosperity, save. In your time of prosperity, three things that every person in this room needs to do. Number one, you need to make as much as you can because there ain't no promise of tomorrow. October 2008 really happened. 60% of the stock market value, which represents trillions of dollars, disappeared. You experienced it. Many of you adults, you walked through it. I lived it. You experienced it. You watched your portfolios go down. Some of you bought homes right before the great crash here in Central Florida and that spread not only in this country but around the world. You know what I'm talking about. In one moment, things can change. One moment, the destiny of your life can turn up on its head. Be wise. Be wise. Joseph says, okay, this is what you do. You save. You store up. You, I mean, you store up, you make all this, you, you get these places, you, you get these houses, and you do all this. It's really simple. I want you to see this here in verse 30, 34. Such a smart plan. Such a smart plan. So he tells them what's going to happen, and then Joseph gives them a strategic plan. And I'm going to give you a strategic plan right now. It's going to really help you here. So what the first thing I said? I said, make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Now I want you to hear Joseph's really smart plan. Listen to what Joseph says here. Strategic plan, verse number 36. Now Pharaoh's looking at him, says, well, it's a wise guy, but this is what he says in verse 34. And Pharaoh appointed commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. So the smart plan was for Pharaoh to save. And you know how he did it? He taxed the people. Now whether you like it or not, that's what he did. And it was a 20% tax. And here's the deal. Everybody paid it. Poor guy, rich guy, everybody in between. It was a smart tax. Everybody paid their share. Everybody had stake in the country. Everybody paid in the game. Second thing, it was simple. Look at verse 35. They should collect all the food, all these good years that are coming, and store up their grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in cities for food. Amazon.com. 
Hear me. This is really simple. I mean, you know, when Amazon first started, we were in Seattle. I remember, I do remember sitting behind my computer and ordering books from Amazon. You'd actually physically get a book. I remember when Netflix, you would order a, a VHS and you would stick it. Come on, anybody remember? Put it in the bag and send it back. They've gotten smarter about it. Amazon's gotten smarter. They're building distribution centers all over America, probably all over the world, because they want to get that product to you in three hours or less. I mean, I ordered a product on Prime yesterday, and it's at my house today. You're like, how does that happen? You know how they, because they got stored up right in that city. It's a 4,000-year-old strategy. Just a pretty good, smart business guy, isn't he? Come on, the Bible has wisdom. There's a spiritual solution for every worldly problem that comes your way right here in the Bible. And then look what he says here in verse 36. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine. Seven years of famine. So that this country may not be ruined. Smart guy. He has a spiritual solution for a worldly problem. God doesn't want your life ruined today. God doesn't want your life ruined. God wants your life to remain and stay a blessing. All this was taking place in Joseph's life, 13 years in prison. He gets it suddenly. All of a sudden, he's standing before Pharaoh. You know what he's done? He's positioned himself. It's the reason you, no, don't don't put that up yet. Don't don't get my punchline away. Hang on. I'll tell you, he's positioning himself. You go to school, you get educated. You become the best you, the best me that I can be. Uh, In your job, you excel, you work hard, you work smart, you learn, you show up on time, you keep your mouth shut. (laughs) You do your job. You be the best you that you can be. You know what you're doing? You're positioning yourself for you're positioning yourself for success. You're putting yourself in a place, you're positioning yourself for promotion. And that's exactly what Joseph did. Oh, Pharaoh ain't no dumb guy. If this young 30-year-old has a strategic plan like that, and he knows how to interpret this dream, and he tells us the three steps, three steps, this is what you do. You know what? He's my man. You know, the, the great thing about leaders today is not that they're the smartest guy in the room. They know how to hire the smartest guy to be in the room. This guy, Pharaoh's a pretty smart guy. Oh, hey, you're my man. You know what, Joseph? I mean, you know what? I want you to look at this verse number 38 with me. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the spirit of the God, the God, the one God, uh, not the gods of Egypt, not the ten gods of Egypt, but the one God, the God of Joseph, the God of his father Jacob, the God of his father uh, Isaac, the fa- God of his father Abraham, the God of Adam and Eve and Noah, and all down th- through the generation, the God who has revealed himself to you and I through his son Jesus today. Come on, there is one God. There is one God. And that spirit, that spirit of the living God, He lives in you. He was in Joseph. It made Joseph a different man. Joseph stood out. Come on. It's that spirit of God that lives in us, that dwells in us. He lives in us. It gives us his favor. It gives us the favor, the blessing of God. This this message is not about stuff. 
It's not about that. It's, it, but it's about being the person that God's created you to be. Because right living always has a reward. It always has a reward in God's kingdom. Joseph was favored in his pop's house over his brothers because he lived right. He was favored in Potiphar's house over his fellow employees because he lived right. He was favored in prison over the other prisoners because he lived right. He was favored in Pharaoh's house. He was favored in Pharaoh's house. Favored in Pharaoh's house. See, promotion doesn't come from man today. Some of you are looking to the wrong source for your promotion. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 78, listen, for promotion, promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God. Your promotion today comes from God. One day, hear me today, one day of God's favor, one day of a suddenly in your life is better than all the days that you try to work on yourself, try to make this thing happen. One day of God's favor is worth a hundred years of your labor because God can give you a suddenly today. Joseph had a suddenly. God promoted him. The God that was in Joseph made him to be the best man that he could be. He lived a God-honoring life. He was a problem solver. God always gives a sign. <laughs> God always has a sign. Look at verse number 42. Then Pharaoh, Pharaoh takes his signet ring. Pharaoh takes his signet ring. This is my daddy's ring. This is my papa's ring. I never wore it before. It's too big for my fingers. That was a bigger man than me. My, my, my father loved people. A lot of perfect men. We had lots of challenges, at least in my life growing up. When he died, he didn't leave me much, but he left me this ring. Every time I see this ring, I've always heard, what is this ring for? And I realized that this ring was for this moment right now in this service, today, because you got to hear this. Pharaoh was the most powerful man on the planet. He was worshipped as a God. He wasn't God. He knew that. That's why he identified the God that was in Joseph as the God. That powerful man took his ring. It was a signet ring. Uh, what they would do with the ring, the king would do with the ring, is he would take it and, and he would place it in a vat of ink. And every time an official document, something that he wanted to make happen in the land, he would stamp that ring. And that ring was the seal. These are my words. This is what I want to have happen. This is for me. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that God took his ring, his stamp of approval, and he placed it on your life and on my life. And that is how we know that we are children of God. Hear me today. When God gave us his ring, you know what he's doing? He said, I give you my seal of approval. You're official. You're from me. You're my child. You're an overcomer. You're a born againner. Come on. You have a new life in me. My spirit is now in you. Oh, you're now no longer under the wrath of sin and death and of Satan. You're now under my grace, under my love, under my forgiveness, under my hope. I put a ring on your finger. Pharaoh put that ring. That separated him. That made Joseph. Now Joseph had authority. Joseph had authority. You have authority today in God. You have authority today. 
spiritual authority, way greater than any authority that any man could ever give you. You have authority today, the Bible says, over principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. You have spiritual authority today to bind and to loose, to forgive or not to forgive. Powerful. You are, po- you are far more powerful spiritually than you ever realize. It's why the, like the little woman over here in the corner that no one ever sees, who never touches a microphone, can move heaven and earth. And her prayers will last for generations, for generations, and for generations. And her household will get saved. And no one will know why. It's because that little woman over there understood who she was in God. She understood the divine connection, who she was, and the ring that she was wearing. That when she touched the throne of heaven, all heaven and earth moved. The devil of hell had to listen because she walked in the authority and the power of her God. Come on. Today, you wear the ring. But then something else shows up. Pastor Glenn, I'm going to need your assistance here. He's not Vanna White, but this will work. Something else shows up. A robe. Remember his daddy gave him a robe? It was a beautiful robe. Nice robe. Separated from his brothers. He put that robe on. He put that robe on. But when things got tough, when his brothers couldn't stand him any longer, they stripped that robe off. They stripped it off of him. They dipped it in blood to make it look like he was dead, to show it to their father. that His favorite son had died robe was stripped from him. He, he finds himself sold into slavery and, and he goes to Potiphar's house and, and in Potiphar's house he gets another robe. It's a nice robe. It separates him from everyone else. But that robe through false accusation, through lies, through trickery and deceit, that robe is stripped off him. And then he lands in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh gives him a robe and he puts the robe on of the king not of his dad not of his boss but a man who represented authority and here's the deal the Bible says that when we come into relationship with our heavenly father we can wear a lot of robes in our life we can be people of importance in this world but the most important person we will ever be the moment we put on the robe of our Heavenly Father, the robe of righteousness, the robe that makes us in right standing with our Father. The Bible says that Joseph put on that robe at the age of 30, and he wore that robe the rest of the days of his life until he breathed his last breath at 110. They couldn't take that robe from him. They can't take the robe from you. They can't take the robe of God's stamp of approval, of being his child, of his calling and destiny. They can never strip it from you. Oh, that robe is on you today. You're a Christ follower. He's placed that robe, the robe of his righteousness. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, they are the righteous acts of the saints. White robes, fine linen. You're a king's kid. King of king king and Lord of lords. You're a son and daughter of the most high God. And you're wearing a royal robe. It gave him something else gave him a gold chain because when he put that robe and that chain on everybody knew he was somebody 
Because everybody in this room, God has created you to be a somebody, created you to be the person that he's called you to be, the child of the king, the one who understands and walks, and a person who lives right, who does right, who lives his life to be a blessing and to serve other people. Oh, he wore that robe. And everywhere he went, he had that chain. And that gold chain separated him. If you live as a Christ follower today, if you are living in right relationship with God, many times you never have to say a word. You just show up. The Bible says that we become salt and light. We become a light. Jesus said that we will be a light like a city set on a hill. And you know there's three things I've discovered that every believer, every, every believer who loves this world, three things that they do. First of all, they desire and they do their very best to love God with all their heart, soul, and strength. That they have set their heart towards God. The second thing I notice in people who wear in this robe, who seem to stand out, is that they love God's people. They love the church. They love the people of God. As imperfect as the church is, and the church is the body of Christ, the people of God. They love the church. They love it. They love to serve. They love to use the gift that God has given them. They love to make a difference. The third thing that I notice about people who are wearing this robe and put on the gold chain their Heavenly Father has given them is they love people who are lost. They love people who are lost, who are far from God. And the only way you can do that is by wearing this robe. Because in your natural, there's a lot of people that you're not going to want to love. But when God comes into your heart, He changes your life. Because you made a decision to live right. And right living always has God's reward. Close your eyes. Uh, You know, we preach grace here a lot. Sometimes we get the idea that grace doesn't require anything from you and I. But Jesus, Jesus said the greatest command was to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. That's a choice. God created you in his image. God had choice. And we were created in the image of God. We have a choice today. Say, God, I give it my life. You're here today. There's a response. God's looking for a response from you. Maybe you're in this room today, and you're a believer today. There are parts of your life that aren't surrendered to the Lord. You're, you're not going after God with all of your heart, so you know that today. You got distracted by the things, the messages. The American dream, not God's dream for your life, has become dominant. God's speaking to you today. God's speaking to you today. I want all of you. I want my dream for your life. Maybe you're here today and you found yourself, you know, I, I love God, but man, there's, I just, there's some things, you know, about the church and about people. And I, I know that, I know there's some attitudes that I have. They're not right. God's saying, you know what? I want you to give me that attitude. I want you to get a new attitude, the mind of Christ. Begin to see that through my eyes. 
Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've never you're surrendered your life to Him. God says, God's saying to you today, I have a robe waiting for you. I want to bless your life in every way. You're here this morning. God's speaking to your heart. We're going to take just a moment right now. The worship team is going to come. And we're going to allow the Holy Spirit in this moment, in this atmosphere. I would be remiss if we missed this moment to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts today. Congregation, I want us to stand together. And as the worship team begins to lead us, as God speaking to your heart, in this moment of worship, in this moment of contemplation, I want you to say, God created me. God changed me. God give me a heart that wants to live right before you. Come on, let's worship.